Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel 30 Questions, Hawkeye 30 Questions, where each week we ask 30 questions about the new episode of Hawkeye. My name is Adam Portress, and joining me today, if it ain't an Adidas tracksuit, he ain't wearing it. Sweet Sean's a Kovacs from the internet. You ain't never lied. That's truth. <laughs> and this week, we're finally getting into his area of expertise, mac and cheese, Bruce Leslie. What is Ronan if not grief persevering? Mm. I made a great line for Hawkeye now. <laughs> Uh, well, we are back. Uh, episode 5 of Season 1, entitled Ronan. We have 30 questions. They go all over the map, and uh, hopefully you guys can uh, stick around and come up with some more questions that we can use next week, uh, because we have one of these uh, from our listeners right now. Question number one. The previously on came about five minutes into the episode. Were there were any of you thrown off about that as much as I was? That comes from Justin, a.k.a. St. Kitt. I was absolutely thrown off, and I'm glad Justin asked the question because I thought about asking this question, and I figured it wouldn't make the cut. But with Justin asking, I get to say, yeah, I think that was weird. I think you skipped the previously on if you want a straight-up cold open like that. I like it. Um, I I like when format is messed with, and, uh, you know, they've earned the right to be able to do that. I'm I'm thinking about – Raising Arizona when it comes to screwing around with the with your cold open. Mm. I mean, the Raising Arizona titles don't start until 20 minutes into that movie, I want to say. It's ridiculous. Uh, you know, Irreversible started with the closing credits. Uh, fair. <laughs> but uh, the, uh, the Friday the 13th remake that came out around, what, 09 or something like that, it's at least 20, 25 minutes until the title card for that thing. They go through three movies worth of Jason, and then they're like, title card. Which one's the funny one of those movies? Is it six? Um, I'm not really recalling a funny one. Eight, eight is funny because it's bad. <laughs> no, six is uh, it's the one where he takes the camper in the, in the sleeping bag and smashes him against a tree and leaves a, a smiley face. On the tree. Oh man, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the connoisseur of Friday the Thirteenth. I want to say that be. six. I, I'm not sure, but I want to say it's six. That, that may be. Let's go to number two. Is Christmas in Hollis a top ten holiday banger? I'll go further than that, ma'am. I think that it's the second best Christmas song. It's my second favorite Christmas song there is. Well, can I ask what your favorite is? No, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. It's uh, it's it's anything by Vince Gir- uh, Giraldi. Giraldi. Yeah, but that's not a banger. No, <laughs> Christmas and Hollis is a banger. It's true, and so then it's number one. It's the number one Christmas banger. Christmas and Hollis. Are you kidding me? You hear once you hear the turntable start and those yeah. horns start, get out of here. And it's the video is even better than the song. That's what makes uh, it so beautiful. Well, the the video is also awesome for sure. And it cemented itself, you know, like very early in its holiday traditions with, you know, being in the opening of Die Hard and everything. Yeah. So Always. like it's it's really kind of cemented itself in. It's just like, yo, we're a classic from Jump. It's great. I can't think of that song without thinking of Die Hard. I can't think of it without thinking about collard greens, which I've never eaten on Christmas, but I've eaten <laughs> many other times of the year. It's usually more of a New Year's Day thing for me. I got to tell you. It, I, New Year's Day in Hollis just doesn't have the same ring to it. No, not nearly. Number three, if someone were to ruin your $20,000 rug, how would you murder them? Adam, I I feel like you have to at least murder them on that rug at that point, because it's like, okay, well, guess what? This thing is ruined now. It's also going to be ruined a little bit further with all of your insides out on the outside of this rug. We're going to wrap you up in said rug and then throw you in a giant dumpster behind an abandoned Denny's. I think I would want to try to seize the opportunity and make lemonade out of lemons and try my best to shoehorn like a big Lebowski thing for the next few days of my life. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Just to, just to have, it's just an excuse to drink as he's walking <laughs> around. Russians try to tell a guy, you know, I need you to write me a check for the rug. He'll send me on some crazy caper. Like I, I would really try to milk it. Like the guy would just straight up offer to pay for the rug. And I'd be like, wait, wait, this isn't how this works. You need to give me a job. I'm totally ill-equipped for so that hilarity can ensue. How much do you think, alley. How much do you think that ca- the people drinking Caucasians went up? Uh, like, like it's it's at least given it twenty years more. I, that I would say globally, 
the consumption of uh, white Russians has probably increased by like 5%, which is a lot globally. Yeah, but yeah. in bowling alley, 78, 79%. <laughs> I'll say no one ever drank a white Russian in a bowling alley before the Big Lebowski. And now you cannot go in a bowling alley on league night without somebody drinking the Caucasian. True. I, I wish, like, to me, though, it, it, it's really had even a, almost a different coming, uh, you know, lately because there's different coffee liqueurs out there that are like, you know, higher end stuff like that. So a lot of that's been going into white Russians again. So white Russians are kind of getting yet another little comeback as well. And certainly Big Lebowski is one. on account of that. He makes one with that powdered creamer, though. Like, I don't know that anybody's ever done no, that. No, gosh, life. people, <laughs> if you're doing it, just it's it's you got to. You're coffee gonna, mate. That's you're, it. I see no. you making a coffee mate white Russian in that movie. You, you got you gotta it's a it's a little rich, but that's what that's what a white Russian is. It's a rich, decadent drink. You gotta go you gotta go the heavy cream in there. You're not not a lot. There's not a lot of it. You're you're kissing <laughs> he's it with getting, it. He's getting manhandled. He says, Easy, I've got a beverage here. <laughs> but yes, we, we would kill someone who who twenty what's the most you would ever spend on a rug? Gotta be a couple hundred bucks. Like that's like for me, I would be like Couple oh, hundred man, bucks. It's hard to find a oh. big. It's hard to find a big room size rug for a couple hundred bucks, Adam. I know yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. I, I know. Well, <laughs> like I said, I'm not covering rooms up with giant rugs. That's why I don't. I don't need. I don't need to live that rug life. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> well, I got. I got a lot of hardwood floors, so you know I'll go a couple of grand if I have to, but I'm not going twenty grand. I want to. No, it's got to be. It's got to be a seriously amazing rug, and I got to say that that rug. It's nice, but I don't know if it's twenty thousand dollars nice. It was forty five yards back the other direction. You didn't what see you off don't camera. Know is it's it's the very rug that was wrapped around Rasputin when he was thrown into the river. That's what gives it its value. Ooh, it's special. It's got a little spin. What happened to, it. to his nether parts? <laughs> They're in a jar in St. Louis or something. <laughs> Number four. Uh this one comes to us from Noah. Noah writes, Did Yelena steal this series with her scenes in episode five from uh Dusting and returning, best blip scene yet, and the uh, night with Kate Bishop. I think she did. Florence Pugh just really has, for me, shown that she's. Well, I've already known that she was a great actress, but keeping this stupid, silly Russian accent and me believing it after a while is shows me that she's doing something right. I'm curious where you come down on this, Sean, because I'm kind of an easy target for Florence Pugh. So I I don't know if I would say she stole the series, but it, she was excellent. No, um, she was very good. I, I, I think that she, this is the first time that that character has made it onto my radar was this episode. Um, as you guys know, uh, you know, Black Widow is the worst of all the Marvel movies. But the but that character was okay. But it felt a little bit like, hey guys, here's the new Black Widow. Get ready, everybody. Yeah. And this it, this episode made it feel different. This episode made it feel like she is her own character, even though she really kind of isn't. Well, we get to spend some time with her and realize that you know she has. You know, not only just the backstory, but but feelings is a person as well as trying to connect with someone. But yet at the same time knows that she can't really have these kind of personal relationships, but she clearly doesn't have those things. So it's like it's, it's this weird tightrope she's walking to where she's like she almost wants to be her friend. But at the same time, too, is just like, well, you know, I got to do what I got to do. And but I, I, I think she just needs a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I had not put that together because I was just so mesmerized by the fact that, oh, she's she's doing a lot of work here and it's believable, but it's also funny, even though it could come off as like a, a like a like a dopey character from Saturday Night Live. And it's not that. And I think I think she's doing pretty good work here. Yeah, you 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 definitely have that kind of like oh no you could go into you know Yakov Smirnov cat you know category real fast if you're not careful, and she but it, but you're right it makes it it's still on that like oh it's still kind of that funny foreign that's like nice but not offensive kind of thing where it's like oh your 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 understanding of everything here is just slightly different or whatever you you just have a different perspective from everyone else so it doesn't make it feel like it's a dumb character or anything. Do you think she's method and her family's getting about sick of it right around now? (laughs) You're from Michigan. What is this? Enough. Enough. (laughs) Number five. 
Did it seem like the Yelena blip scene could have worked better as the end credit scene of back of Black Widow? And this comes to us from Aaron M. from Aurora, Illinois, home of Empire Carpet. <laughs> is that true? One eight eight. Oh, I'm two, aware of what it is. Is it really Empire? in Aurora? Illinois? I think it's Aurora, Illinois. Yeah, I think Wayne's I know World that's where Wayne's World was filmed. Exactly. That's the only thing I could remember. <laughs> I'm oh, sure they're like, oh, we get sick Wait, of that. They went to Milwaukee. They weren't filmed. Yeah, okay. I got confused. Aurora Public Television. Uh, I don't know. Like, I really like it here, and I thought, yeah, because, I mean, it, this could work as a post credit scene kind of thing, but I think I like it here more because it brings us back, and I think it's a really good storytelling device I, for where we go once she comes back you yeah. know, from Blip. I think you do a movie scene in the TV show and a TV scene in the movie to help tell people that this time around it all counts. So I think having what was essentially a TV in credit scene, because that was meant to introduce us to Val, even though because of timing, we had already met Val in Falcon winter soldier. Mm. That was supposed to be our introduction to that character. And then here, this feels more like a movie moment. So I think they're really trying hard. And I think doing a good job of blurring the lines between Disney plus and MCU uh, theatrical. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I will tell you though, when she first gets snapped, I initially was like, is she, is she turning into a swarm of bees? <laughs> That's her <laughs> magic. That's her power. And I, and, and I, I, I did get excited. I'm not going to lie. I, I was like, Oh, she's going to be queen bee now. Man, she's turning into, she's turning into a bunch of bees. I swarm. hope that I, I hope that she sits on some fat guy's face. <laughs> now that beekeeper suit in WandaVision makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, Marvel thinks about this on levels that the rest of us just don't. You know, that's why they got the, that's why they're the magic makers over there. Uh, I I think that scene actually it, it works fantastically well. It is. And it gives you like a one, two, three before it was like, oh, this is what they're doing. What an amazing way to show this. And because what we've seen in the past with Blip stuff, I mean, you know, Monica Rambeau's the biggest example of that. She was asleep during it. So she just kind of woke up from asleep and then everything was weird. She was literally like, I looked down into the sink and up and uh-oh, things are off. Yeah, I love how literally no time elapsed from her perspective. That was really cool the way it was done. And, and, and have we seen that before? I don't think that we've seen that from their perspective, have we? Not, not, not I don't like think that. So. Not specifically like that. We saw Monica kind of do the like like you said, the, the bug kind of ash sort of flowing in and out sort of thing. We've saw that, but that's about it. We never right. saw it like from the In eyes of the time. active person going, Oh crap, what's this? Right. And especially because within those five years, like a hospital didn't change a whole heck of a lot in five years. The rooms are still going to be there, blah, blah, blah. This, everything is getting redone because, you know, in five years, people are going to change their house. All kinds of stuff goes on. It's amazing that family was still, that lady was still even living there, you know? Well, it was a very nice place. Could have been like Back to the Future, too. It comes in as in a completely different family. And they're like, what are you doing in my house? They're just going to leave. They're just going to leave Jennifer in an alley somewhere. <laughs> I also like how the lady didn't miss a beat and she immediately goes right back to where the conversation left off five years ago. Like I could even remember where the conversation left off if I were in her shoes. Oh, right, 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 right. Five years ago. Let me rewind this. Well, you know what you could do here? Excuse me. I need more than two seconds to uh, put together that I've lost so five years. So I stand years. by it. Zack Snyder will be in charge of the DCU forever. <laughs> 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 Number six, Sean. When Kate's mom asks her, does Clint think you're a superhero? And then she says, no. How bad do you want her mom to then ask, does Clint think I'm a superhero? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this question came from, Sean. I think this might be a very specific to your uh, neurocognitive point of view. It was, it was literally the first thing that I thought of <laughs> where it was like, uh, my, my this is going to seem so strange to you guys, but I, my mind wanders whenever we're at Kate's parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> what? And 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 so you know, like I'm 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 totally bored by that. Well, I, the I problems of rich people are really tough for anybody. To just go like, oh, I give a crap. I, I have right, and you know, like I have, uh, like I really like the show. I I, I I enjoy it immensely. Um, it's one of my favorites. But when it gets to that plot line on the show, 
it just makes my mind just go, Hey, let's think about this instead. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I thought of alternative lines that Kate's mom could say. He, 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 he likes me, right? Like he, yeah, he seemed really cool. He was like, I, I mean, I want to say he was flirting with me, but he, he just seemed like a really a nice guy. Does That's he all. talk about me when I'm not around? perfume. <laughs> Did he check in? Did he see? Number seven is this Chekhov's tiny bow. We keep seeing this tiny bow. Like I think there's been no less of three single shots on it. People talk about it. Are we gonna get this tiny bow, or is this just something else? Am I reading too much? I, into I have it? to confess. I don't know what tiny bow we're. we're it's the about. one that's hanging on the wall that, in her bedroom that she had from when she was a child. Okay, it's just and up there, and they mentioned they've mentioned it out loud at least twice, shown it at least three separate times, and it just seems. I will like tell you, Adam. I think that this is going to show up because they. You're, you're right. Where, you know, if you have featured this thing that looks so weird on that wall, by the way, like it's not in a case. It's not. It's like just hanging. By a, by a nail on the wall. Yeah. Like it, it's not, it, 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 it is showing up again for I'm sure. I'm picturing like uh, during the big finale fight, she is unarmed. She grabs the tiny bow and, <laughs> yes, a, please. and a fencing foil, a, the tiny bow and a fencing foil and like uses that as the arrow and somehow pulls off this major uh, victory. Guys, it's Christmas time and we're talking about Die Hard. What if she tapes that to her back? And in order to get an echo off, like she shows her hands up and pulls it back and then shoots her with an arrow right off oh, the thing man. from the miniature bow that was duct tapered to her back, Die Hard style. Please make it happen. Everybody we had any references to Die Hard in this I show? I don't yet? think so. I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head. Boy, Everybody's if I call that that's amazing. Everybody's barefoot. They run into a room where the floor is absolutely covered with broken glass. And Maya <laughs> looks around and signs. Now I have the advantage. <laughs> hey, listen, what works, works. You just keep working. You just keep going with what works. Number eight. Last week, I joked about a bottle episode. For a few minutes, did you think this whole episode would just be Yelena and Kate sitting at a table and eating mac and cheese? There was, it was, it was a longer scene than you know you might have expected and that's what kind of like i really like about this whole series is i mean like think about this episode the last episode we get these great great character moments but we're not deprived of any you know butt kicking action moments as well we're really getting so much in there and the fact that this show has the nerve to slow down and just say, sit with these characters. We're going to develop this story instead of just going, what, what's the next action thing? What's the next action thing? With And a show like this, you could easily go down that rabbit hole of we just need the next you know, set piece or something. They're consistently worried about characters and letting us know who these characters are, what motivates these characters. So when these characters get into these battles, it means something to us, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Number nine, Sean. If you're putting that much hot sauce on your food, your taste buds are just completely dead, right? If they weren't beforehand, they probably will be afterwards. All right. As a hot sauce guy myself. Um, oh, would you call yourself an aficionado? I don't know. I wouldn't I won't go so far as to say aficionado. I I, I so, like so a booster. A booster. Yeah, hot sauce booster to be sure. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I enjoy some, you know. A little bit of sriracha sauce, a little bit of a gochujang as well. That's like a Korean barbecue sauce kind of deal. Uh, there's the chili, hot, the uh, chili garlic uh, sauce and things of that nature. I put all this stuff on there as long as it actually tastes good. I'm not one of these people that goes through on the like, hey, this will just melt your face off for funsies. No, sir. Hot, but that's hot what and she's flavorful. Doing. That's, that's literally what she's doing. I mean, she doesn't put that much on. She goes squirt, squirt, squirt. I put more than that on 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 eggs, on mac and cheese though. You, honestly, I like look at it and I just go like, that's not too bad. I mean, and because of the red top, it makes it makes me think it's like gochujang as opposed to sriracha or something. That's just. Oh, that was Tabasco. Come on, man. They, no, not in that bottle. Tabasco isn't even hot. <clears throat> you not in this apartment. You're, this this apartment barely has. 
mac and cheese. Like nobody says the only th- two things in my cabinet are boxed off-brand mac and cheese and some really boutique hot sauce. It, I mean, maybe it's not Tabasco, but it's like all the equivalent of Tabasco. <laughs> like, well, a hot sauce in general, I mean, especially when you're looking at that. So, I mean, like I said, I, I buy a lot of hot sauce. You, you, it's not none of it's expensive. Not really. So it, to me, it's like, why buy expensive matches? As long as it starts to fire, get the cheapest they got. Hey, regular rooster sauce is like, you know, what, two and a half bucks for the biggest one that they make, you know? <laughs> so why get anything else? Yeah, exactly. Which leads us into number 10. Is ma- uh, boxed mac and cheese good? Is it? I prepare for Sean and I to disagree here. But I think it's delicious. It is peak boxed mac and cheese, specifically craft. With the uh, powdery cheese, and you make it just a little runny, and you let it sit at room temperature until it congeals just a touch. That is the best ever mac and cheese. You're talking about Kraft Dinner. Um, yeah, Kraft Dinner I, in Canada. I think that uh, I think that Kraft Dinner is great uh, as something that, that as like a comfort food. Um, it's one of those things that you know, you know you you eat it when you're a child because it's one of the five things you eat when you're a kid. And when you're an adult and you're getting smacked in the face by life, sometimes you want a box of mac and cheese. What can I tell you? So I got to pause for a minute here. When you were growing up in uh, New England Mm -hmm. and you went to the store, did it say craft dinner on the box? No. Okay. But you just called it that. Yes. Okay. Because that's what it says on the box in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I was curious if it was just easier to ship it to you guys from Canada than from uh, <laughs> it's a shorter well, distance. The, it, you're not wrong because, you know, when you're growing up in New England, you get the choice of do you want to speak Spanish or French? And most people took French because you have to. Because Maine's uh, just right up the road. Yes. And, and, and as is Quebec. So you, you, anyway, we're, we're getting off topic here. The <laughs> Yes. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you. I think that good, craft, good. I think that craft dinner is great in certain like in, for certain times. You know, it's not something where like you're if you're looking to impress, pull out the craft macaroni. Yeah, you the, it's the, something you don't make for sharing. I'll put it that way. Generally, yes. you like make it for the, to be enjoyed in the privacy of your own home. Yes, and 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 usually there's sadness involved, and it makes you feel better. Yeah, it's oh, 2 man. o'clock I, I in mean, the morning, you're hungover, something like, that's fine, but like as a, oh, I'll I'll put this out, let people know that I made, no, for God's sake, it, macaroni and cheese is not a tough thing to do, people, and it's not something that's here, broken. Especially like, like the box mac and cheese is a little bit of work, and it's basically me looking in the mirror and saying, good job today, Bruce, you stepped up your game from ramen, because <laughs> it is more work than ramen. <laughs> Not by much. Not by much, though. Yeah, more than you think. It involves a pot. It involves boiling water for several minutes. Well, your noodles oh, in. You I'm don't think, microwave. Man, this you don't is microwave the box mac and cheese. To thirty questions, Hawk. You are. You are. You would be. You would be absolutely surprised at the number of people who probably are just like, I wish they had five more of these questions. Let's go to eleven. <laughs> Save it for the mac and cheese podcast. So, question number eleven: When Kraft decided to change the name to Cheese and Macaroni, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm talking about characters. Real? I'm not talking about. For Christ's sake, what happened to me here? <laughs> question number eleven: I'm not talking about characters. I'm talking real life. Who would win in a fight, Haley or Florence? Florence, not even close. You seriously think so? I think Haley wipes the floor with her. Bruce, yeah. here's where you're wrong. Uh, it's Florence, hundred percent. 100% yeah. because number uh, here's the thing. She's not really Russian. You know that, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Haley Steinfeld what? is that like she's she's the Holly she's a Hollywood girl. And I mean this in the, all of everything I'm saying is in a very nice and positive uh, life affirming way, all right? Thumbs up all around. But she is a more diminutive person. Florence Pugh looks more like the average woman does. She's a, I bet she's, you I bet you you would be shocked at how tall and sturdy Haley is maybe, but here's the thing. Like I said, she's, she's probably, she's got a couple pounds on her. I think she could, th- I, I just, I feel like she's a more physically intimidating person than Haley is. Because I feel the other way around. I think if you saw her and Haley standing next to each other in real life, Haley's probably got three to four inches on her. Yeah. But if well, you- then Hollywood's working on me because every time I see Florence Pugh, I don't think to myself, Oh, that person should never be in this role. 
I don't think the same thing with Haley either. No, but, yeah. but with, you know, it's not the thing that I always complain about your 95 pounds and you're kicking the butt of yeah. a 300 pound dude. Well, I'm not saying Florence is, is too small for the role. I'm just saying I'm impressed with Haley's sturdiness. She's very sturdy. Is she, w- w- would you call her stout? No, no, because no, that makes me a... think you smell bad for some reason. I, like, people call me stout. I don't know. And I'm not strong. She's like so... when I go to get my dress pants, they're they're made for a stout man, but not a muscular man. Why don't you go Barrel over to Justin? the stout boy section? <laughs> well, it was husky, and then husky became stout. Is there a difference between like if you're barrel chested and pear shaped as a dude? Like, do you have to go to different parts of the big and tall store? Mm. Well, I've never been to the tall part. But the big part <laughs> you'd be amazed at the options. Pretty extensive. <laughs> <laughs> the hell are we on? Twelve? <laughs> no, I was just, shocked. I was shocked. 12. Yo, I was shocked when Latino Mr. Pringles was arrested and they was they didn't make a big deal out of it. Were you as flabbergasted as I? That's the moment I knew he was innocent. Yeah, because he's he's kind of just like some people, we, we had a couple of people write in questions and stuff that were just like, doesn't this make him seem like super guilty? Or wouldn't you like, wouldn't your your family just disown you at that point when you're just like, hey, you got nothing to worry about? I'm like, I think that's the most innocent man right there. If you're being arrested under something that you know is false, just be like, hey, there's some sort of mix up here. I feel it's, like that's what he would do. It's like if the police came to arrest Mr. Seaver on an episode of Growing Pains, he'd say, don't worry, we'll get down to the station. I'll sort it all out. Exactly. Like that is what I got from Latino Mr. Pringles. I think that's his name now. Or Senor Pringales is what I like to call him. 13. Uh, how uh, how weird would it be if you were so famous that you could just drop by someone's house and they would welcome you like your family? Judy, get out here. Ryan Reynolds is at the door. Come on in. We've got roast beef in here for you. What? what it's the most insane thing I've ever seen. I guess it'd be kind of nice if you were in the mood for random dinners. Like you're like out and about and it's like, oh, man. Uh, we don't really have time to stop into a restaurant, but that family looks like they're sitting down. You just knock on the door and say, I've got 15. Give me some beef. But, uh, you know, Adam, it's a little different, though, when, you know, she they know that she hangs out with with Hawkeye. Right. So it's not where he's he's just doing a quick pop in and it's just like the most random thing in the world. I mean, he's doing a pop in. Yes, but they know that Kate is hanging out with him. And so, like, it's a little different in, in that aspect, you know? Like, if Weird Al Yankovic just showed up at your house, I don't think, like, I, it's, it's weird. But if you're, like, you know, Weird Al Yankovic's rhythm guitarist and he shows up at your house, like, you know, there's an expectation there. Yeah, he's going to play at least three, four songs. Well, and hopefully accompanied <laughs> by your rhythm guitar. Please. <laughs> I, I mean, Weird Al's welcome to whatever thing we're having for dinner he doesn't need the guitarist with him hey come on, uh, how, come on down weird al you better have you, how, how much do you want to bet you know hopefully hopefully 50 years from now when weird al yankovic uh uh passes away that people start trying to call him alfred yankovic oh with al yankovic. respect they, on his name they completely drop the weird part i i, I can almost see it oh man no let's not talk about something so sad all right you're, you're right. That is pretty sad. But come on down, Weird Al. We've got some Brussels sprouts just with your name on them. Number 14, when Kate's mom puts the Band-Aid on Kate's forehead, is that the way you're supposed to apply a Band-Aid, the way she peels off the back? I've been doing it wrong all these years, and that question comes from Brian Spider-Z. I, that's why I put this question to you as, as, as the, uh, the, yeah, the official one. You're all the of expert. This. I'm no expert on band-aids. I mean, whatever. If it's sticking to the skin when you're done, there's no wrong way to do it, right? If it's if it's on your face, it's fine. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's like band-aids don't really do anything. Well, they got kids quit crying because they make you, you know, it's like a symbol of providing care, but they don't really do anything. They don't they don't they, they do the keep you from bit. jabbing yourself again over and over and over again in that same spot. Tearing you may need more. more than a band-aid if you keep jabbing yourself in the same spot, though. Well, yeah. But anyway, yeah, sure. Uh, she's doing it wrong, Brian. You're doing it right, I guarantee. 
she's not a medical expert. That's just some lady up in a, like, some rich lady's going to know the right way to put on Band-Aids? I don't think so. I mean, personally, I like to put them on like a decal where you kind of pull the middle off of the little cloth gauze part <laughs> and you put that over the wound and then you just like peel them off and it applies it as you peel it. Like mm -hmm. how you put like a pinstripe on a car. That's how I like to do it. Windex on it just beforehand. Yeah. So make sure it's all nice and clean before you get there. And with my kids, I like to do things like if it's a tiny scratch, get the most ridiculously large bandaid I can find. Or if they actually have a big gash, get like a really tiny bandaid like you use if you cut yourself shaving. I like to do that kind of thing too. Fifteen. Best use of the Grinch theme outside of the actual Grinch? Uh, oh, man. I'd say second best. What's the best? My son's uh, middle school honors choir sang the, uh, how the Grinch theme thing at their well, uh, concert be. recently. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, and Silas had a solo where he got to say the thing about the nasty sandwich. I don't re quite remember the words, but he went up to the microphone and did his best. Uh, whatever the dude's name is that did the actual song, he tried to do a nice impression of him. Did it end with a ba ba da ba kind of like that. Good. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw, I, just speaking of Grinch, I saw something on, uh, on, on TikTok. Well, that sounds like an old man thing. Uh, but this Apparently, there's some like you know, 15 year old girl in her neighborhood gets out to the parents and says, for like 50 bucks or whatever, maybe it's even 25, 25 bucks, something like that. She dresses up in this head to toe Grinch outfit and stands outside and does like a little, you know, like I I'm watching you kind of thing for the people's kids. Oh, that's great. So the parents hire the kid, and like these kids were like so, they were like, oh, there he is. Like it was seeing an <laughs> oh, alien. Check that TikTok out. It sounds great. It was it was amazing to just see these kids. They were just like, oh, oh, there he is. There he is. Oh, God. And it's just like this little girl's going around the neighborhood making a whole bunch of money being the Grinch for kids. I was like, that's awesome. Speaking of awesome, number 16, Sweep Tap Dancing Monkey. I saw this episode on Wednesday before Spider-Man No Way Home. And one line in this show, which didn't make sense at the first viewing, but after No Way Home makes total sense. Do you know the line I'm talking about? And is Marvel better at this than anyone could have expected? I don't think I know the line. Yes, yeah, tell us how smart you are. Uh, no, no, well, it's not smart. It's just this is like I, I saw it for the second time and I was just like, dude. When uh, Yelena mentions all the things that she wants to go see in New York, she mentions the new Statue of Liberty. Oh, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, watching the second time, I was like, I'm good. first time you're like, what is she, a new Statue of Liberty? What is, it? is that some weird joke that we don't understand, some Russian haha? No, no, no. That is a Spider-Man No Way Home reference. I thought it oh. was so awesome. Also, this is not related so much to Hawkeye, so I'll just save it for the next. Uh, yes, 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 yes. We can't get too deep in the woods there. <laughs> then let's I would be mad <laughs> if I if I was listening to the show where you start spoiling him. He's our no way home. Yes, yeah, so, so that's why I was trying to keep everything as big as I could. But uh, no, good, I, I thought that was pretty sweet, and I, and I didn't even learn about it on YouTube. I came up with it myself. Uh, Seventeen, Bruce. When the tracksuit mafia were talking about great pop culture tracksuits, did they leave any out? Only one. Which one is that? The Beastie Boys. Yeah, that's kind of why I wrote that question. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> what do you think, Adam? Can you think of any other? Like, I, they had me covered with Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, I, I, I like the Royal Tenenbaums reference. What, what about the Hellbop Comet cult? What were they called? Oh, it's the Heaven's Gate. Gate, yeah. The Heaven's Gate cult. They should have mentioned them. Man, oh man, Heaven's Gate. I hadn't thought about those guys in a long time. What a what a way to go. <laughs> the the tracksuit well is not the deepest of wells, strangely. Uh I guess uh what's his name? Um Ed O'Neill wore a tracksuit a lot in Modern Family or whatever that show was on where he was married to uh the lady that's married to Joe Manganiello. Yeah. I, I always like uh I always like any kind of show that just has a character that like that's what they're you know, like some guy or something like Coach Steve or something. It's always just wearing <laughs> the tracksuit and everything. That's his go to. Your gym regular gym teacher wear, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh boo eighteen. Good bit of acting from Jay Renz in front of the Avengers Memorial. Do you think he's method and makes everyone call him Hawkeye on set? <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> I kind of hope so now. Like I never thought about that till I read this question. And now that would make, make him a more successful actor. If you're listening, Jay Renz, start doing that. <laughs> that's how you decide. No that matter what more set you're successful. on, that's the key though. No matter what set you're on demand, people call you Hawkeye. 
<laughs> the next the mission impossible excuse me it's like, Hawkeye. thank you it, it's like tiny lister he played a character named zeus in a movie with hulk hogan so zeus kind of became his name in every movie mm-hmm. in the credits because mm-hmm. people didn't know who he was but they knew oh zeus from that hulk hogan movie Number 19, this one comes to us from Lisa. And Lisa, I think this is the question of the day here. Uh, Their conversation about Clint's past is essentially the blood of the ledger argument. It poses the question, what makes a hero? Does the damage you've done in the past uh, cast a shadow on the good that you're doing in the present and in the coming future? Or can you present or can your present and future heroism mitigate the past damage left in your wake? Honestly, I think that is the ultimate question for a lot of characters in Marvel. To me, it's an important question for all people in general. I hope more writers for Marvel properties tackle that question. Any thoughts? Lisa from Texas. Who wants to go first? Because I have a lot. I think that uh i mean if i'm going to answer it philosophically it's like once you burn down a house building a new house doesn't mean you never burn that house down in the first place i don't like to look at it as too many checks and balances in the ledger because you could almost say well it's okay if i do this bad thing because i'm going to do good things tomorrow so i just like to say you know each day is a fresh start try to do good today you can't think too much about tomorrow other than to learn from mistakes I think you're definitely right with that. You should not have that mindset of, oh, I can do ba- I can do bad now because I'm going to do good later on account of it. It's like, mm, it shouldn't really work like that. Now, you atoning for doing bad things, I, you know, and it is. That's why, to me, it's a great question and a question that, that a, or like a situation that works really well in superheroes and narrative in general is that it is a dichotomous question. You can really easily see both sides of the coin, I think. Yeah, it's true. And it's your decision. Um, Lisa, I'm going to tell you something I've never said publicly before, which is that uh, I uh, have, I'm someone who has been to therapy and my therapist uh, said to me one, one time he said, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I've noticed that everybody who's close to you in your life, uh, they have one thing in common. Have you figured out what that is? And I hadn't. And he said, uh, everybody that is very, very close to you. Uh, they, they all have the same thing in common, which is that they, uh, they had been broken and they have mended themselves back together. That is the one thing that every person close to you in your life has. And I realized just how real that was when I start looking through my past, like everything, every person that I've ever spent a lot of time with has this one thing in common. And so that choice, that personal choice that I have made clearly, and I didn't even know that I had made it is that, you know, you have people in your life and and you try to do the best you can. But for me anyway, when I was younger, I did not, I, I, I was uh, not a decent person to be around. And I, I try every day now to be a little bit better. And so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a personal choice to, to, to make that decision, whether you want to say, oh, you can't be redeemed because you've done something so terrible, or, you know, you can, you can choose to be the person who, who, uh, embraces that, you know, I, the only thing that America loves more than a success story is a redemption story. And so I think that it's basically your personal, your personal thoughts of, of how you want to go about your life. And for me, it is, I have chose redemption over um, not being able to get past it. And even in and outside of the Marvel universe itself, I mean, Robert Downey Jr., if there's any bigger of a story of that, of the guy that Holly, you know, that was at the top of his game and everything fell off into, you know, drugs and alcohol addiction and everything. Everyone wrote off as somebody who's, you know, past his prime, no more things from him and just becomes, you know, the biggest star in the world. And well, yeah, well, for me personally, and, and, you know, I too have plenty of, uh, things I wish I hadn't done said places I hadn't been in the past. I've had, you know, my own issues in the past that I wish weren't there and mistakes that I made that I wish I hadn't made and I can't unmake them. But if I like try to use somebody like Robert Downey Jr. as an example, and like my life is still pretty darn crappy, even though I'm doing the right things, it becomes real easy to give up. Whereas for me, I've got to like really internalize it. Like I'm doing this because I like myself better this way. 
not because there's a reward, an external reward, because then you can start to use the external reward and the, or the lack thereof is a reason to go back to making those mistakes that you know you really don't want to make. So it all has to be internal. It can't even be because I want to make my kids proud because then your kids will piss you off. I mean, seriously, for me, yeah. it has yeah. to be 100% internal. And also for me, it's, it's a lot about burning energy. So I just find you might, you guys might not know this, but I stay pretty busy and I've managed mm. to find a way to stay busy in things that aren't harmful. At least I don't think they're harmful. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for this question, Lisa. This is an excellent, just like I, I could go on forever about this. So thank you for this question. Number 20, Bruce. This question comes to us from Mark Sadowski. I'm loving the show, but there's a discrepancy. Val said to Yelena that Hawkeye killed Natasha and gave the assignment to kill him. This was in the fall season. Now, months later, Kate's mom is able to hire her to kill Hawkeye. Small world. So the question for the show, how can both Val and Kate's mom be the one that hired Yelena? So I think all three of us may have the same answer here. Since I asked it, do one of you guys want to go ahead and answer it? I'm not 100% sure because like, it had been a minute since I remembered the, uh, the Val-Yelena scene itself. And so that's kind of why I put this question in here because I'm like, I wanna, I'm not 1,000% sure I'm 100% okay, on it. Okay, so, so Sean... I think you could answer this. I think I can. I think that the, the, I think the matter is, is that it's the same, it's the same hit. I think that your, your, your goal is the exact same. It's from the same. So uh, here's the analogy I'm going to give. So if you want to hire an actor for your commercial in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can get on the phone and call every single person you think might be an actor and try to find the right one. Or you can go to the talent agent and say, this is what I need. And they'll have some headshots to look at and they'll make that connection. Right. I mean, am I right or wrong about that? Yeah, you are. So I imagine what happens is Val is approached that we have a very difficult hit. Can you find someone that can do this hit for us? Because they aren't the ones who want to go out and shake the trees. They got other stuff to do. And this is Val's job. So she's like the casting director who's going out there and she's, finds oh i've got the right person because this is not going to be an easy hit (laughs) she's scouting so yeah so so it's like (laughs) she is the the agent so you know we need a hit on hawkeye and then we get val to be the finder she gets her finder's fee and she connects yelena with eleanor i think it's all one line you know one line of events as long as we get a flow uh, chart at the seen, end of this. If you've seen many, many movies or many, many news reports, you know that just going online and trying to hire your own hitman never works. Well, it doesn't always work. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Red Rock West? <laughs> you hire the same hitman to kill each other. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Ryan Reynolds movie right there. 21. So Echo's about to kill her boyfriend, right? I think so. It, like, or I don't at least think it's she's her boyfriend, but I think she's going to kill him. Well, I mean, de- maybe a de facto kind of boyfriend. They're or very touchy for people who are not in a relationship together. No, or or is or is <laughs> this is stupid? <laughs> or is it the fact that she can't hear real well and he's got to kind of tap her and be like, "Hey, pay attention. Trying to talk to you here." Is that why he's touchy? I don't know. That's a. I haven't seen any smoldering glances between the two of them. The but, fire's gone out. But they do. <laughs> but they do have some sort of some sort of deeper connection than just like we're, we're buddies at the henchman, you know, brigade. Yeah. So something's going on there, but she's, she definitely doesn't trust him at this point because he didn't, you know, end up at the meeting or whatever. I love that. The question is about whether or not she's going to kill him, but I decided to debate like tangentially over whether or not he's her boyfriend. Yeah. Who does that guy remind me of Bruce Leslie? Every time I see him, every time I see him, I, I, I'm, he looks like um, I'm trying to say this without being too rude to the actor because he's made to look this way for the show. I'm sure in real life he doesn't look this way, but he looks like a busted Kit Harrington to me. I was yes, going to say the exact it. same Kit thing. Harrington. Yeah, because, you know, we've just seen Black Knight and all of his glory in that Eternals movie that everybody's so crazy about. Yeah. <laughs> the world is blowing up. Taking the world by storm. That's like one of the top three Marvel movies in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. 22, does the big reveal at the end of this episode mean that it's been Kingpin putting together the Dark Avengers all along? That comes from Bo from Austin, Texas. I don't think so. I think Kingpin is your local guy. 
He's yeah. like the the mayor of New York, whereas Val is your global officer. So she thinks globally, but maybe gets her funding doing some big jobs locally. But no, I think that Val is the one who's putting the Dark Avengers together for someone, but I don't think that's someone's kingpin. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Bruce. I think that's spot on. 23. Kingpin was introduced to the MCU via a grainy cell phone picture. Is this the worst introduction for an MCU character yet? This question comes from Justin, and it's awesome because I was asking basically the same question. So good for you, Justin. Uh, I, I It's okay. It could be a grainy cell phone picture. That's fine. This is super nitpicky. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I feel like it just should have been closer. I feel like the frame shot should have been better. Like if it was like a close-up grainy picture of his face and we were like the camera was closer to that screen, then I'm for it. But like the kind of medium wide shot that's going on in this picture and the I don't know. I didn't dig it. I got a high res version where somebody like did the uh, what do you call it zoom and enhance a few times to see what it actually looks like. <laughs> I, I got Gil yeah. Grissom on the phone. And we tapped up a couple of things and we made it look good. Yeah, notice the tiny hilarious, on hilarious, sir. The uh, Adam, you are never again allowed to uh, go on to your nerd voice when you're making fun of other people. Because it's just my own voice. <laughs> because of your, because of the statement you just made, you are never again. You are banned from <laughs> the Grissom statement. Yeah, hey, listen, you know, um, I, you know, actually, if they put it on the uh, aspect ratio of the burp, beep, burp, 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 you're not um, wrong. Never again. You're sir. not wrong. <laughs> no debate. No, no. You know, you'll you'll get no pushback from me. That's, <laughs> these are these are fair statements that you make. You're not wrong. <laughs> 24, Sean. Sean, how happy are you about the name drop Sloan as a previous girlfriend? It seems deliberate and familiar. Yes, we have heard the name before as a front company for Kingpin, but Sloan is a Spider-Man 2099 villain that is involved in time travel in the corporation Alchemex. Also in the current timeline, possibly owned by Kingpin, a direct competitor to Stark Fujiwara, which could mean that another Spider-Man villain was just introduced, and that's from Kevin Jones. And Kevin Jones, good Lord, I hope you're right. Oh, my, <laughs> do I hope you're right. I, I, I love Spider-Man 2099. I love the storylines of Spider-Man 2099. It's the only 2099 thing that they had that was worth a crap. Yeah. And I, But I don't think that Marvel is going to get in those waters. And the reason being is because they have to play very, very nice with Sony, especially after this week. <laughs> yes. When I heard Sloan, all I thought about was Ferris Bueller's day off and, and strangely time cop that I wanted to remake as a regular cop because Sloan was in that too. Just cop. <laughs> no, I wanted to be regular cop. <laughs> the uh, Two for regular I, but, cop, please. <laughs> but Sloan is a great villain. Uh, Sloan is also, you learned that he was, uh, in a relationship with Miguel O'Hara's mom at some point. So there's a possibility it's very Spider-Man-y and very fun. Uh, I, I might be just remembering this super fondly. And if I read it now, I might be like, this is garbage. But as a, as a youth, I loved Spider-Man 2099 and I love that Leonardi art and it was just wonderful. Um, but I don't think that so I don't think that Marvel is going to try to steal uh, twenty ninety nine property right now. What up, kids? You into holofoil covers? Yeah, mm -hmm. we, got, we got some of them. But a but a massive boy. Twenty five. I'm just surprised you weren't a big fan of uh, uh, the what was the guy that was like a skinny boxer from Puerto Rico? Didn't he have a twenty ninety nine version? The battling bantam twenty ninety nine. Huh? Uh, maybe not. I have to look that one up. I could be wrong. I don't know that. I, I know there's the garbage truck driver superhero that Stan Lee put together because you know <laughs> that man was brilliant. Um, and there's the terrible Punisher 2099 that everyone was asking for. That was a good one. <laughs> Twenty five, Adam. Uh, Twenty five. Had the floodgates been open for the rest of the Marvel Netflix heroes, except for Finn, except for uh, Iron Fist, because Finn Jones was terrible to appear in the future. That's from Matthew Secular Man Vendiver. I'll tell okay you. 
No, please, please go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, if it's okay for me to go first, where I grew up, we have this saying, and it goes something like, if you want to drink a water, you have to dig a well. And I think that should go for the Netflix characters. Like if you want the good, you have to take the bad. So you want Jessica Jones, you want Daredevil, you have to take Iron Fist to prove you really want him. Like, like, like that's how it goes. You know, when they do those three-way trades in baseball, they make you take somebody nobody wants to get them off the roster. But here's the thing. Let me, let me at least put this out here. Uh, given what we've seen with Marvel, what we're doing with this show, what we've done with the previous Marvel television shows, uh, what we're, what, what's going on in the kind of the MCU as a whole right now. Uh, if there's anybody that could, you know, fix this iron fist problem, I think if Marvel has their, you know, mitts on it, maybe, may I, maybe I kind of want him to try, right? I, I kind of want him to try and maybe even fail, but just the trying is worth it. Like, like I'm, I think that they should, I want to start a, uh, what do you call the thing where people sign a list and you petition. have to do what they say? Yeah. I want to start a petition that they can take no more Netflix into the MCU until Finn Jones gets a king. <laughs> Dude, if Finn Jones showed up at the end of this episode, that now is- now's your time to park on that corner, Leslie. I'm a, I'm a Finn fan. Deerchange.org. Oh, yes. All the Finn fans gather around. We, we, That's what I'm saying. we got a mission. Have Finn to- Jones show up and pull a Trevor that he was really a drunk that somebody paid to pretend like he was Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a new person altogether. I've got to, I've got to put my two cents in for this. So, you know, if, if we've learned anything, it's, it's about the reformation project that the MCU has been putting together for the last couple of years now. And I think that that is, they certainly can do that with iron fist and they can certainly do that with Finn Jones. He's a good actor. He was just in, he's poorly cast. Um, but what, you know what? I'm not even going to bring up my second point to that. What I, what I will say is that if, 10 years from now, uh, Finn Jones shows up in a Marvel property. Everybody's going bananas like Christian, uh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I could see Where, that. Like, you know, he, Hayden Christensen was not great in the prequels. I'm just going to say it. Yep. He's not great in the prequels. But even I am very excited that he's going to be in the Kenobi show. And so I think the same thing is probably going to happen to Finn Jones. But never, never Jake Lloyd. Wow, that poor kid. He he doesn't, you know. And he got such a bad, uh, like, man, talk about a bad hand. Jeez. Bruce is bringing down the show today, 26. (laughs) So what are the chances Swordsman saves slash helps Kate in the next episode? Oh, I hope we never see uh, Latino Mr. Pringles again. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I love the way that they handle it, where they're like, no, no, we were building this guy up and nothing. Oh, <laughs> that would be so I beautiful. hope he inexplicably swings in on a rope dressed kind of like Zorro. Oh, Zorro the gay neat. blade. That is neat. And they're like, where did that rope come from? Like, what was he swinging from? We're in an auditorium. <laughs> Hello, my dear. An outside amphitheater, no less. That first Zorro movie is awesome. That, that is a really good movie. I like the George Hamilton movie that I think we watched without you, Sean. That one was. Really I think good. that you did because I don't remember seeing it. Oh, it, it's a blast! Uh, it's it's on YouTube. Uh, Zorro the Gay Blade. Anybody wants to have a good old fashioned time of just going like, this is what they did in the seventies. Okay, cool. <laughs> George <laughs> Hamilton played not one but two Zoros. Two Zoros, straight Zoro and gay Zoro. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> I'm not lying. You could tell because the gay one had like fringes on his hat, like little tassels. Remember oh, that, he Adam? had so many different colors of outfits. It was great. He's just like, no more black. I got to, I got to spice it up. So he's got like five different outfits. It's awesome. Get out of here. It's so great. <laughs> what was his name? Bunny. Bunny something or uh, Bunny Wigglesworth. It yeah. was Bunny Wigglesworth. <laughs> Get out of here. That was the stage name. Bunny Wigglesworth. It's amazing. I, yeah, I hope I, I, it, that feels like that's bound to happen. I don't know. It's gosh, it's tough. He's not going. We wouldn't have him in here this long if he you was just a nothing character. You don't character. hire that guy if he's got nothing to do, right, that dude? That dude simmers. Like he is, he is, he is coming back. There's something that's going on. We're gonna. I feel, we'll maybe we'll get to a question about this. Oh, and also, later. I never answered. I never answered Matthew's question. Sorry, Van Diver. That the. The the floodgates have been opened. I mean, we are going to see uh, all of the Netflix Marvel people 
uh, with two exceptions, uh, probably not Finn Jones for a very long time and probably not Jessica Jones, unfortunately, because I love her. But uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, boo, 27. 27? Yeah. Do you think there are people who live in the MCU who no matter what you tell them about Kingpin, they still love Kingpin no matter what he did and how much evidence there is showing he's a terrible human being? Well, in the Marvel comics, there are certainly people like that. So, right? Yeah. It's all, that's what I've kind of always loved about Kingpin. It's just like, it's you like, all know he's horrible, but yet he's just like still allowed in polite know, society. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he comes in and always gives money to the homeless shelter. So we love the guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While burning down the, you know, the nunnery down the street. It's just like, what? Give money, to, give money to the Hell's Kitchen homeless shelter while I burn down the one in the Bronx. You know, <laughs> you give a little, you get a little. It's, it's, that, it's that blood and ledger thing again. He, he's always like giving donations to the orphanage so he can come along and find the ones that have supreme killing skills and take them into his organization. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which I one mean, and you... that's not a joke. That's like what he does. <laughs> that was that. I can't remember. Was it, that may have been in that's the Echo, in the Echo comic, story, yeah, right? Because yeah. that's kind of I'm trying to remember, but it's been years since I've read those books. I yeah. still got them, but like, uh, yeah, I think that was that was the whole involvement there. Twenty eight. Uh, this whole season, Clint has been trying to teach Kate that being a hero comes at a cost, and Kate not getting it. Who will die in the last episode to teach Kate this lesson? I'm nervous for Grills and the Larpers because Kate is responsible for their deeper involvement. That comes from Joe S. I think narratively it would work best if uh pizza dog dies. Oh there, my God. There's no way in oh hell they're God. killing that dog. Are you out of your there mind? I would no teach way. her a lesson a, narratively a that would have more gravity than any human. Show. Grills <laughs> dies. LARPers are a dime a dozen. A one-eyed dog dies. That sticks with people. <laughs> It certainly would. People would be like, "The hell with this show." I don't care how much Christmas you throw I'm at the end of it. You murdered these, the one these comic dog. book shows that don't have the cojones to kill a dog. Oh, we're back to dog killing Bruce again. Uh, Bruce Bruce Leslie hates dogs. Part three. Light light this bad boy up another. <laughs> I gotta tell you that dog. That dog. Every time it's on screen, it makes me smile. I can't help it. I yeah. love that dog. It's just got a big old stupid face and you love it. And it's just like, it oh, so imagine how much you'd love it in season two if it was like a force ghost version. of. Ah, okay. All right. You may have actually swayed me a little. <laughs> <laughs> if, okay. I will allow the dog if, to die. If we if get a force ghost dog. If my is to be believed, all dogs do go to heaven. So you don't need to be sad. <laughs> Here's a couple Billy Why Joel songs. Why you let me die, Kate? <laughs> 29. Why does Dom DeLuise keep trying to talk to the tape? <laughs> oh, Fatso was a good movie. Number 29. Will Kate and Yelena be the new Clinton Natasha? Uh, I think there's there's good odds on it. I like the chemistry between these two characters, and I think, you know, just because you've got two real good talents behind the roles. And I think they I interact. Don't mean, I, I, and I, don't, I don't mean to hurt people's feelings here, but they're a lot more interesting than... Clint and Natasha. No, that's probably uh, yeah, that's true. I actually, agree. <laughs> they I mean, are a little surface agree. level. Look, I'm a red blooded American male. I, I like looking at Scarlett Johansson also, but uh, she's not really bringing a lot to the table there. Yeah, not you know, you, you knock Renner off the thing, and it's like, oh, wait, we got any room for another uh, good looking lady? Let's uh, let's rock this on. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Uh, but I, I think for these two characters and stuff going on, it's like everything with this. We're we're passing the torch along, so. Uh, you know, these things can keep going on infinitum and keep, uh, you know, putting money in Marvel and Disney's pockets until the end of time. And shoot, it looks like they're doing a pretty good job of it. So doing something mm-hmm. right. Let's mm-hmm. round it all out. The question number 30. How much Kingpin do you need to see next week in minutes that would be enough to satisfy you? 69. <laughs> nice. Bruce, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Nice. I'm going to be honest with you. I surprisingly don't need much. And I'll tell you why. Oh, please. This, I, I the think. The aspect ratio needs to be shot a little better. <laughs> yes. And uh, the graininess isn't I, the problem hey, with it. It's, every single know. one of these shows is in 235 in accordance to all the Marvel cinematic aspect ratios, save for the first Avengers directed by Joss Whedon. And that's why this, this continues to be great. And Joss Whedon's stuff still bugs me anyways um what the hell was i talking about 
I don't know, but it, it oh, the kingpin. Okay, because I had to, I had to tell my son that Michael Clark Duncan was dead. <laughs> oh God! Uh, oh. So as far as kingpin, how much kingpin do I need to see? I, I just a barely little bit. Even if I see like his hand and him say Vanessa or something at the end, I don't care because we are in this thing where this has been a serialized sort of deal. We're going on to the next thing. Each one of these Marvel programs has built into the next, which has built into Spider-Man, which is built into Doctor Strange. We are really getting this awesome, awesome uh, just serialization of the Marvel storytelling throughout these different, you know, mediums, be at home and, and at theater and stuff. It is astounding. So I, th- him just being in there a little bit at the end to make me go, what is next? Where's Kingpin coming from? I don't need a whole bunch. Just sprinkle that bad boy in there. You've got me at whatever the next thing is. I think it could even just be like a voice on the phone. I think that if it's like a Dr. Claw style situation, you know, Inspector Gadget, Dr. Claw, I think that I'm okay with that, quite honestly. Because I think Echo is going to be her trying to find him and get get her ounce of revenge. So I I think it just just ends up with her getting some kind of definitive evidence that he's linked to the death of her father, and then we're off for Echo. So it might even be like an in credits thing where you just like he's on the phone saying, hello, who is this? I don't have time to waste. But of course, she doesn't speak on the phone. She just wants to see if he answers at the number she calls or something. I could see it, but like I'm excited that he's that he's uh, at least has the potential to be in this. I don't know if he'll be in the next episode, but uh, he's clearly uh, part of Marvel's plan for the future and uh, super stoked about that. Yeah, that what a great turn, man! I, like they, you know, they took their time with it. They didn't, they didn't force feed you this crap, and it it's really paying dividends now. Like, I mean, what a wonderful thing! Like at the end of the episode, not only do you see Kingpin, but then there's that that wonderful, wonderful shadow of him at the end. You know, during the credit scene, just terrific. And I, I do wonder sometimes how much, to a degree any of these Marvel studios kind of, it seems like they're listening to fans to like some degree or another. Obviously you can't, you know, give everybody everything all of the time. It's impossible to do, but like, it feels like in some ways they're trying to see where, where the puck's going and go, you know what? I feel like they can do this sort of thing over here. Or is it, they're just so smart and we're gullible enough to fall for anything. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that I think that they're, they're not reacting. They're acting. So, you know, like if there's a big hullabaloo, like I hate this, like they're not going to try to course correct and make episode two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're kind of, they, they have a plan. They listen to what the fans like, but if the fans don't like something, they're going to be like, just hold on. You're going to like it just fine. Yeah. Especially if you've got something as, as what it seems to be with them is planning things out for the long haul, which is ultimately the best move to do is not play the short game, but play the long game. And frankly, the long game's working out quite well for them right now. Yeah. It's big enough. It's large enough that they can even take an L every now and then it'd be okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, even if, you know, not for nothing, we, we didn't think it was a bad movie, but if, you know, Eternals comes out and doesn't do absolutely bonkers business, but you know, it's still not horrible. You know, don't you think though, like there is a very, very real possibility that when it comes to Eternals, they're they might show up from time to time in the thing here or there, but they, we're not getting Eternals too. I don't believe yeah. not anytime soon, unless like they can like like you said, had some like side hustles in other movies and stuff, and That's, then kind yeah, of yeah. pop out and go, "Oh, this guy, this is this is uh, our or, dude." Or it could be the thing in six years, whenever they're fighting against uh, Annihilus or something, mm-hmm. then suddenly, like just when we'd forgot about him, Kumal and then Johnny's character shows up and helps him out, and then we're all like, "Like, oh, I kind of forgot about that guy. That's awesome." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm about that. Well, that does it for another thirty questions. Uh, join us back here next week for the season finale of this, and of course, we would like to have you guys uh, get your question on the show as well. Marvel30q at gmail dot com. Get those questions in as soon as you can, and uh, that way you have a better chance of getting on the show. Uh, until then, Bruce, where can we find more of your work on the internet? 
I'm always encouraging people to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. Uh, lots of anime content there. Got a Christmas special where I'm going to be talking about uh, Tokyo Godfathers that will be coming out Tuesday, the day after this comes out. And I've got some other fun little stuff there you can look around. Even if you're not the biggest anime fan, you might find something interesting there if you check it out. Tokyo Godfather's Pizza. I always like going there. Sean? Uh, we have a show that we have been doing for eight years. It's called Hero Movie Podcast. You should check that out. This week, we're talking about the new Spider-Man movie. I'm guessing that you've probably seen it. Everyone has. And everyone's going to see it again. And why don't you check out our, our show over there? It's not a 30 questions format. It's more of like a, hey, uh, this happened. What do you think of this? It's, it's kind of one of those shows. Uh, but we've been doing it forever. And uh, boy, oh boy, our first episode of, of our show was the uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Very first episode we've, of Hero Movie Podcast. That is how long we've been doing it. <laughs> we've come quite the long way here. So, uh, so yeah. please check it out. Join us over there, and for all your other 30 questions need, just type in 30 questions. we got a whole bunch of shows that have the 30 questions moniker, and we'd like you to listen to those shows as well if you like this crazy kind of good stuff. That is it, everybody. Join us next week for the se- series, maybe, season finale? Who's to say? We don't know. Uh, of Hawkeye with another 30 questions. Until then, for Sweet Johnson Kovacs from the Internet, Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Porches, and remember, my go-to weapon is two sticks and a string, so... Miss Carol. Miss Carol.